When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thank you for being along with us tonight. We're going to be talking about close encounters of the most disturbing kind tonight. UFO encounter of Juan Perez. It's the subject of a documentary. And uh, the filmmaker, Alan Silverman, will be with us tonight. The name of the documentary is Witness of Another World. And this is quite a story. It's actually one that I wasn't familiar with until today. So um, we'll bring him in after the break, and we'll begin that discussion. Just a quick look ahead, because we have some great things coming up on the show as well. Uh, Tomorrow night, Kayla Ambrose will be with us. Kayla is an author and an intuitive lifestyle coach. She'll reveal teachings of the Egyptian mystery schools and how they can change our lives for the better. And then, of course, Friday is a best-of show here on Beyond Reality Radio. Monday night, Amelia Cotter will be here, author and storyteller. She will share true stories. True Tales of Ghosts, the Supernatural, and her own paranormal experiences. So great stuff coming up on the show. Looking forward to all of that. You know, there's a news story that's starting to circulate a little bit that uh, is very, very curious. I'm sure that if you have paid attention to the UFO community at all, you know what I mean when I reference the Tic Tac UFO incident, right? Footage that was taken by Navy pilots on November 14th of 2004, of a mysterious object. The Navy has recently come out and said that these are legitimately unidentified. They're not saying they're alien, but they're saying they cannot identify them, which leaves the possibility that they are some type of alien craft. And the way they behave in those videos leaves it wide open because they seem to um, not have to abide by our understanding of the laws of physics. We certainly don't have technology that... Can, uh, can make a craft move the way though that Tic Tac craft moves in the video that the Navy pilots had taken. Well, one of the pilots, Commander David Fravor, was uh, flying one of those two F-18s. He, t- he had taken off from the USS Nimitz, an aircraft carrier, on that night. It was a combat exercise on November 14th, 2004. He, w- he and another uh, aircraft were di- in- directed to change course and investigate this unidentified object that had been spotted on another aircraft carrier's radar, the USS Princeton. And then, of course, they saw this tic-tac-shaped object flying at incredible speeds. And it, ha- they happen- it happened to be above uh, an area of water in the ocean below that was mysteriously turbulent, which they couldn't explain. And then it was the second team that was sent out after these two pilots returned to the Nimitz. The second team investigated again, and this time they caught it on camera. And those are the videos that we are uh, used to seeing that we've been exposed to. That footage was particularly made um, public and famous by a 2017 New York Times article. But according to Favor, this Navy pilot, one of the first to see this object, says that um, there are tapes missing. He says all the radar tapes from the Princeton, the USS Princeton, that's the other aircraft carrier, are missing and they can't be found. He told this to a host of a uh, podcast. He said he was chatting to someone at the archives and they said that someone has taken the pages from the logbook as well. Hmm. He said there's been several commanding officers since the incident occurred, so no one knows where they've went. Doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise you? Um, The Navy did come forward and say that these were legitimate videos, that they couldn't identify what craft they were. They could not, with any certainty, say that they were even terrestrial craft. They didn't, they stopped short of saying they were not, they were uh, extraterrestrial craft. Um, But they did say that in addition to that, those videos never should have been released to begin with. So we're kind of in this no man's land of disclosure, non disclosure. And if 
video and other evidence is being uh, confiscated and disappearing, then it seems like we've taken a major step backwards. Maybe we can get somebody on the program sometime soon that can talk about this particular angle of this very, very uh, interesting story. But it ties in nicely to what we're going to be talking about tonight with Alan Stivelman. Again, he's a filmmaker. His documentary is called Witness of Another World, and it chronicles the account of a 12-year-old, Juan Perez, who came face-to-face with something very, very supernatural, maybe even alien. We'll find out as we uh, start that conversation. Uh, Once again, I'll ask you to stop into the YouTube channel and subscribe for me. Go to YouTube and search for JV Johnson. Click on the subscribe button. We really want you to be part of that community. As I said last night, we're going to be changing the name. But once you subscribe, you're subscribed regardless of what the name is. So go ahead and do that. Go to YouTube, search for JV Johnson, click on the subscribe button. Also click on the notification button. That notification icon will alert you when we go live, which we do when we stream the program. And it'll also let you know when we upload bonus content like we did over the weekend. So it's great to have you there also for our chat room, which is a very, very active and vibrant and in some cases uh, funny chat room. People uh, have a good time in there. So welcome to all the chatters. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll bring our guest in again. Tonight, we're talking with Alan Stivelman, filmmaker. His film is called Witness of Another World. That's ahead right here on Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and save. Tonight we're going to be talking about an incident that took place about 40 years ago. Alan Stivelman is a filmmaker. He's created a documentary called Witness of Another World. Alan, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Hello. How are you? Doing great. Now, the first thing I have to ask you, because I've been reading this uh, kind of a teaser introduction to this discussion tonight for the better part of a week, and I keep talking about a lonely gaucho. I I need to know, because I think I know, but what is a gaucho? Well, gaucho, it's like a cowboy from South America. They are people that are very brave. They are expert in the countryside. They are horse riders. Also, they have mixed blood. They are half Spanish and half indigenous. And we can equate them to what we would consider to be a bit of an American cowboy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Because they are very brave. They are tough tough people from South America, especially from Argentina and Brazil. And the person that we're going to be talking about tonight who had this experience that we're going to be discussing, Juan Perez, he was a gaucho or is a gaucho. He's a gaucho, yeah. He lives in the countryside, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Juan. Well, Juan, now he's 52 years old. He lives in the countryside. He loves to stay with his animals, work in in the farm. And at the age of 12, he was a witness from a spectacular close encounter. And after that event, he got traumatized for more than four decades. And when I met him, I met a really lonely person that he was living in an isolated way. Um, He was living in a little hacienda, a little farm far away from from a city just by himself with his animals, and he was terrified about the UFO phenomenon and also all the consequences that he had after the event. He started to to have premonition dreams, precognitive dreams, that for him it was like a living hell. The encounter that we're going to be talking about took place in 1978, so we're talking about 40-plus years ago. When did you meet Juan? I met him six years ago while I was doing a research about uh, the abduction phenomenon and also the UFO phenomenon. I met him by a change of events, mainly synchronicities, and led me to... I was writing a script about... an. It was fiction, a fiction story about an abduction case, 
And that story led me to buy some books about abduction cases. And one of these books was written by a psychiatrist and a psychologist. It was about abduction, abduction cases from Argentina. And that book led me to meet the author of this book. It was a psychiatrist, a very well known in Argentina. And he told me about that one of the most significant cases for him was the Juan Perez case. He showed me a footage from, from Juan when he was 18 years old and he was in a UFO Congress in a very small town in Argentina. And he was trying to explain what he saw. And while he was doing it, he started to cry. He grabbed his, his head and said something like, you won't believe me. And I don't know why, but I felt a connection with that footage and as asked to Dr. Berlanda to, that I want to meet him. And f after four months, we went to the countryside and I met him. And, but by that time, I didn't know anything about the, the UFO phenomenon. Just, I, I, I only read two books about that. And I was shooting to Juan. And when he started to speak to me about his case, about what he saw, he started to cry. And I felt really bad for him. Then I stopped my camera and I just sat next to him and listened to what he was telling me. And I, and I feel really sad for him. And when I say goodbye, he told me like, please remember me, don't forget to, and please visit me again. No, because now I feel that we are friends and and I kept those words for for many years, but after four years of plenty of research, I was obligated to read plenty of books about the UFO phenomenon, about psychology, about the relationship between consciousness and and the impact of these events and the supernatural world. And after that years, I felt more confident to make this movie. And that's the reason why I started four years after that I met him. So if I understand correctly, you had no knowledge of what had happened to Juan Perez prior to uh, stumbling upon him through the chain of events that you described. You didn't you weren't aware of his uh, his encounter prior to that? Well, I was aware about the story but not aware of what happened to him if we were dealing if we are talking about extraterrestrials or we are talking about another kind of encounter from another dimension or a shamanic vision i was quite skeptic about the encounters with extraterrestrials i i wanted to believe but i was quite skeptic my mind is mainly Concrete uh, material rather than abstract, so I had to. But it for me it was the perfect the perfect case to open the door to the to the unknown. So that's why I started to make uh, research trips to the to to Paraguay to meet some shamans also. But the story was quite strange for me. It it was about an encounter with two beings. Uh, to a big ship, uh, etc. And we'll get into the details of that. But when you met Juan Perez for the first time, uh, and you started to talk to them, talk to him, you said uh, very quickly he started to cry. What kind of man did you uh, see him as? Um, you know, what were your first impressions? Well, Juan has two, like two sides, because in one side you you will see that he's a very brave man, very tall, very tough very rude man because he he's a gaucho he he knows how to fight how to hunt he used a knife to, to to hunt because he likes to hunt with his hands rather than to use a, a weapon because he likes to give the the animals the the place to defend themselves so they he likes to to use manual weapons trying so to trying to, really... trying to even up the match a little bit exactly <laughs> okay exactly <laughs> exactly that's his words um but in the other side when when you start to to know him more and talk about his 
his fears, you will see that he's still a child. He has those two faces. So he's a very, very tough and big man, but with a good heart, a very, very like smooth heart, very innocent. He's really innocent, very pure. So you have like two Juans in one. Was he welcoming when you approached him? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, we felt like a, a, a truly connection, empathy. So he was very confident to, to speak with us, with Dr. Nestor Berlanda, with, my, with myself. And we spent the whole day. And I remember that uh, in the upcoming days, I also visit his, his family because I, I was doing... I, I, for my research, I wanted to know more about his mother, about his father, about all his family, because I found that in that time, everyone was scared about what happened to Juan. His mother confessed to me. His mother was really, she's really tough, really shy. He doesn't want, she doesn't like that research comes to, to her house or to Juan just to ask questions about the phenomenon and then that's it. They they leave his his son with plenty of questions, with doubts and because he received plenty of researchers from Argentina and other places that everyone wants a piece from Juan or want to to like give evidences or proofs for their own ideas. So they, he had yeah. bad experiences with, with those research, with some researchers. Right. So that's the reason why she, did, she didn't like those, those kind of visits. But one of the things that she confessed to me, and it was the main trigger for this story, and it's not part of the movie, but it's the background or the heart of the movie, is that she confessed to me, and only for me, I don't know why, because Juan didn't know that at that time, that she was also a contactee, and she also oh, wow. had an experience when she was a child. But Alan, when you uh, met him, you said he was welcoming. When you started to talk about his experience, was he as uh, eager or was he as willing to talk about that experience as he was welcoming when you got there? Well, not so much. He was little afraid of sharing his experience and also, yeah, it's, it, it was not easy for him to, to share his experience because, you know, for more than three and for specifically four decades, he received mockery from, from the people, from the human beings that were around him, from his relatives, from his friends, his co-workers. So it's, it's not easy to, for, it was not easy for Juan to, to share his story. Because for him it was true, and he he didn't understand why he was some others were get getting fun of him. So it was really difficult for him. But he trusted on on us, and after a while he 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 knew that we were not there just to 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 make a research. We were mainly for trying to understand him and also to help him. When you do an interview like that, I've done um, many, and you talk to somebody about an experience that is that uh, meaningful in their lives, whether it's in, in, in a good way or a scary way or a bad way, you can immediately see a change in facial expression when they start talking about it. Did you see that in, yeah. uh, in uh, Juan's eyes and his face when he started to tell you his story? Yeah, I know what you are saying. And, and yes, of course, uh, I saw... That's why I, I told you that I saw two faces or two sides of Juan because at, at the beginning he was explaining us the, the stories from the farm, his work, and he was very, 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 very tough. And when he started to speak about his experience, his face changed completely. And I was seeing not a 48-old person. I was seeing... A, a child, a 12-year-old child that he was still afraid about what happened to him, about the, the nightmares and the real dreams that he, he has about this uh, 
premonition or precognitive dreams. And yeah, totally. A, a face, his face changed completely. You said that uh, one of the reasons that he kept this to himself for as long as he did and was reluctant to speak about it is that he was mocked, he was made fun of, and he was ridiculed. What's the attitude of the local culture, population, toward stories like this? Is there any acceptance of them at all, or are they completely um, unwilling to accept them? They are unwilling to accept. They were getting fun of him, saying that he was drunk. Or he was taking, he was lying because he was 12 and he was lying, he was lazy because this this happened at 6 o'clock in the morning while he was going to find a herd of horses to start the work of the field. And everyone said that he was lying because he went another to another place just to sleep and he was lying. No one believed him and th- that's the reason why he uh, got off from his family and ran away and start like a, a nomad life. Yeah. Tell us about his childhood prior to the uh, event. event. Yeah. Tell us well, how, he, how he was living, who he was living with and what his family life was like. According, for example, to his teacher, because I have a record from, from her that a researcher gave, gave it to me. He was a very shy person, very, yeah, very, very close to himself. He, he was not an expressive person. He was, he liked to stay in the, in the farm with the, with the animals. He also liked the trees and he got every, every day he got an app on, on the top of a tree, for example, um, and he was really close to to his grandfather. He passed away sadly when he was when Juan was ten years old. So he, at the age of ten, he lost his his main guidance because he his grandfather was like the, his guide for. He taught him to hunt, to to connect with the animals, with the nature. It was like a shaman for him. And he lost his grandfather just two years prior to this incident. Exactly, and that detail is way much more important. It's way important for for this for this event for this case. When um, did Juan have any brothers and sisters at all? Yes, seven. Oh, seven! Wow. And were they all living together at the time? Uh, yes, yes. Was yes, they were all living together? And for example, why? While Juan was going to find the herd of horses with his own horse, his sister Anna was uh, working with the cows, and he listened the the phenomenon, but he he she didn't she didn't care that sound, and she she also said to Juan that he was he was lying or yeah hmm. okay. Um... Let's talk about the event itself. So Juan is on his horse, and he's off in search of their herd of horses. And what happens to him? Well, um, Juan leaves his house to go in search of the herd of horses to begin the, the task of the field. Before going to school, Juan had strict tasks to do. So he rides his horse, Comet, and gallops a few meters until suddenly three lights in the sky began to dance frenetically. His horse was scared. He did not, he did not want to move forward. So Juan returns home and explained the situation to his father. He said, like, father, father, there were three strange lights in the sky. And the father ignores him completely and asks him to return and begin the task. End of story. So Juan goes back with Comet and observes that there is a thick fog covering the entire field. It was a pretty strange fog. It's not the typical fog in the dawn. So without fear, he decided to cross it, but his horse was little scared. So it was difficult for Juan to make him move forward. When crossing the fog bank, Juan sees that a white circular object was landing on the ground. 
And Juan, in the original reports, he mentions that he thought that he was seeing a kind of tractor. He never said the word ship or craft or UFO. And I want to highlight this because for Juan, the, throughout the whole experience, he always thought that he was seeing something that was familiar to him. That's why he was not scared, because he thought that there were uh, farm workers in a tractor, a pretty strange tractor, but in, in a, tra a tractor itself. So a gate from this object opens and a tall being looks out and invites him to go up. A ladder descends from the ship, one shyly approaches with his horse, gets off and ties the stirrups to the ladder. Juan climbs the ladder as he can, and finally he succeeds. Juan enters a very strange space for him, and he he's, he's, uh, he sees that on his left side, there is a small being, a meter and a half tall, who is cutting meat on a transparent table. And this being, it, it was more like a robot. He uh, has, instead of hands, he has scissors, and instead of feet, it has wheels. The small being ignores the presence of one, the whole experience. On the right side, he sees this tall being, about three meters tall, that he is watching monitors and making hand move movements as if he were typing on a touch screen. A very important detail is that in front of Juan, there is a transparent wall that prevents Juan from going to the other side. Juan tries to cross the wall with his hands, but he can't. On the contrary, the small being moves from one place to another without problems. Suddenly, the gate begins to close, and Juan is scared because he's not going to, the, to find the herd of horses. He's afraid of his father. So he quickly gets off the ship and sees that his horse was injured because he hit the ladder. So the tall being appears next to Juan, and Juan asks him for help. Suddenly, the tall being begins to squeeze Juan's arm and scratch him. And I want to stop here because after this moment in the movie, you see that we did a regression with Juan, led it by the psychiatrist, because I wanted to know there, if there is some lost memories. And after this moment, Juan, something quite spectacular happened for the story that is not part of the original reports, nor any kind of footage that Juan tried to explain what happened to him. So in this, after this part, a, a lost memory came up and something very emotional for Juan happened. He saw something that was, I don't want to say it because it will be a spoiler, sure. but something very powerful and emotional happened after that. Juan had a vision or started to travel. We don't know because suddenly after two minutes of silence, Juan said, wow, this is so wonderful. I mean, the stars, I'm seeing a lot of stars. And it's, it was really weird for us because it was six o'clock in the morning. There were no stars. So he started to, to, to see stars, a lot of stars, a lot of beings also, because he started to see other beings, not just these two beings. And he saw something that was quite emotional. He broke down into tears. And after two hours of regression, the doctor Berlanda decided to stop it there. And, and for us was was really hard to to understand what happened and we had to to stop there and try to 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 integrate that experience to Juan so it took us a while now i just want to go back to Juan's description of the beings when he first saw them did you say one of them instead of having hands had scissors and instead yes. of having feet had wheels exactly he he used those scissors or that kind of hands to cut the meat that was on the table. Did Juan recognize what kind of meat, um, you know, as a, even though he was only 12 years old, he seems to have had some experience with hunting and, and uh, yes. you know, and understanding what kind of prey was available. Did it, did it, he recognize it at all? Yes. And he was also, I want to mention that he's a really good observer. And it was 
like animal meat, but the detail that was very impressive was that there was no blood on that meat. Mm. It was like a black meat, very quite strange. And another detail that I want to highlight is that when we were with Jack Ballet talking with Juan, Juan told us that two cows two days before the contact were found mutilated on on his house. Mm. How long did the whole thing last from start to finish, as best as Juan can uh, tell the story? Like an hour, an hour and a half. So that was it was a long encounter then. This was not just a a, a quick uh, you know um, three two or three minute event. This this was a, a quite a chunk of time. Yes, it was. Um, but in the movie, we only took only ten minutes because I have to to say that as a filmmaker, I have two choices: to try to portray the UFO phenomenon and the UFO encounter and give a lot of details about what he saw, about experiences, right. trying to give also evidences or proof of this contact because Juan had a mark after this contact because he's on his right arm. This tall being scratched his right arm. There also was... Uh, a mark on the ground where the UFO was was landed, and his horse, for example, Comet, died 24 hours later. Oh wow! The this event, but for me, for my perspective, this evidence are not enough. It could satisfy to the UFO fans, but not the skeptic ones. So, right. the only evidence that I wanted to focus was his trauma. That's the the only evidence of something happened to Juan. We don't know what. And the movie, it's about a, a transformation of Juan being a very lonely and isolated person, traumatized to a very a relief one, because at the end you will see an, a new face for Juan. He's really, now he's, he's confident. Now uh, he got reunited with his family. And I wanted to portray the phenomenon from the human aspect, from the human side. So in the movie, you will only see that the contact was 10 minutes, but actually it was an hour and a half. Yeah, um, we've actually, this is a short segment because we went long in the last segment, but I did note when I watched the film that you spent a great deal of time talking about the human element of this particular event and how it affected this particular individual, not just on the day it happened, but for the rest of his life right through today. Um, we've got a minute here before we have to go to break again, and when we come back, we're going to get into some more details, but where can people see the film? Well, now it's live Everywhere. It's on iTunes, it's on Amazon, on Google, Vimeo On Demand, and you can have more information on our own website. It's witnessofanotherworld.com. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening on a radio station, we appreciate that. Also, we are available as a podcast, a download. If you haven't found that uh, version of the show, it's a great way to make sure you don't miss anything. Sometimes you're not up late at night with the rest of us. You can always listen the next day. You can also go back in the archives. So you can subscribe through iTunes or any of your favorite podcast sources. Also, go to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel because that, too, is a great resource. We really want to see you there as part of our group there. The chat room is there. Go to YouTube and search for JV Johnson. You'll find the live stream when we're on live. Plus, we upload a lot of extra bonus content as well as we did over this last weekend. Click on the subscribe button. And also the notification icon so that you are notified when we go live or when we upload new material. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Alan Stivelman is our guest tonight. We'll bring him back in in just a moment. We're talking about his documentary film called Witness of Another World. Uh, but again, a reminder, tomorrow night, Kayla Ambrose will be with us talking about the teachings of the Egyptian mystery schools. She's an intuitive lifestyle coach and an author. She says these particularly, particular teachings can change our lives for the better. And then Friday is a best of show. Monday night, Amelia Cotter will be with us, author and storyteller. And she will share true tales of ghosts, the supernatural, and her own personal paranormal experiences. If you want to join our conversation, have a question or a comment tonight, give us a call at 844 
1-800-687-7669. Alan, as we get back to the story of Juan Perez, when he had this encounter, which you uh, very nicely described for us, um, what was his immediate reaction afterward? You said at one point he went back and back and told his father that there was something strange, lights in the sky, but his father made him go back out. Then he had the full blown encounter. What happened next? Did he immediately go look for help or look for, or look to tell the story or did he keep it a secret? What happened? Well, it was quite strange for him because he didn't know how to to express to his family what he saw, but he tried. And he tried harder, but he, remember that I told you that he was a very shy person. Yes. And she and he didn't like to talk so much. But it's quite funny because after when I, when I met Juan, I won't say that. I I will say that he's a very warm and he likes to talk a lot. But when he was a child, he was very shy, um, and he didn't like to talk so much and. He only he only said that he had a very strange thing happen in the field, uh, and that's it. But his family, for example, his father, when I interviewed him, he said that when he was in in the house, he listened a very strange noise that was coming from the sky. But I think those details were not enough to to believe his story. I don't know why, but they for for them it was. It, it was something that it was like a, an, an invention of Juan. He was 12 years old. Obviously, people um, in the area weren't necessarily open to these types of stories or these types of phenomena to begin with. Um, yeah. But uh, from what I understand, in, in your film, uh, he wasn't the only one that had an, an experience like that around that time. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, uh, Juan was not the only one that saw something around that time. Yeah, it, 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 he wasn't alone in this. Exactly, and this I have to thank Jack Ballet because when we were starting this project, he gave to me his original reports with plenty of details about Juan's case and two other cases from. Roberto and Carlos. Carlos was the carpenter of the town and it took me a while to to get in touch with them because one was not living in the in the town anymore. So I had to make like an investigation prior the the shooting of the film. And indeed there were two other cases in the same week in the same area. In the case of Carlos he saw seven uh, ships on while he was going back to his house. He was on the car, and Roberto saw a a very bright red light that uh, point to him, and he started to feel that he was like burning inside of him. So that's why he ran away immediately after, and those contacts last just for three to five minutes but in the case of Juan he was the only one who wanted to know more and get in contact with the with the phenomenon tell us how um dr jacques valet got involved in this story uh, he's obviously involved in the film that you made as well but prior to that he was involved in this case how did he get started with it well he was in 1980 he he got an invitation to come to to Argentina from uh, from Fabio Serpo. This he's a well known. He was a well known researcher in South America, and he invited Jack to make four lectures in four cities in Argentina. And the only requirement that Jack uh, asked to him was to have one or two free days uh, uh, between those lectures because he wanted to get in touch and meet some contactees from Argentina. And that's why he met Juan when Juan was 14 years old. And on that trip, he went with his wife, Janine, and she was a child psychologist. And now I know that it was a really special case for for, for both of them because they spoke a lot about these cases because they got good uh, plenty of attention for 
for cases that comes from from children. So I wrote him a letter saying that I was doing a, a film about Juan Spare's case. And I told him that I knew that he wrote about this case on one of his books in Confrontations. And it's also in Forbidden Science, he, his personal uh, diary. And, and I also told him that Juan was not good. He was not feeling well after that he, after that encounter. He was having precognitive dreams. He was living like a truly hell, living alone for all of his life with his animals. And, and, and I asked him to go to San Francisco to make an interview, asking questions about the, the case, about about his his view about the UFO phenomenon. And I got uh, a reply from, from him a month after. And he told me that he was, he, it was a really warm email. And he was telling me that he was really sad, knowing that Juan was not feeling well, that he was not able to, to integrate his experience. And he was saying that I can go to, to San Francisco to make an interview. And I said, yes, that's the best, the best idea. And at the end of the, of the email, he was saying that he, has a, he had an idea that he doesn't want to interrupt my project or change my own ideas. But he thought that it would be great if he can go to Argentina to stay with Juan, to help him, to stay with me and my crew, and to make a, a great a great scene, a great moment all together. And that's why he jumped into this story, because it was something that came from from his side, from his from his inside. Did anyone who had an opportunity to work with Juan after his experience, whether it was Dr. Villet, you, any of the psychologists that were involved or any other professionals that may have had some experience with this type of case, ever get any indication that maybe this was um, not a genuine case or was everybody uh, uniformly in agreement that this is this was something that was real? Oh, no, not at all. I have to to be honest. And there are... According to the to the medical side, Juan was visited by three different psychologists and psychiatrists because I wanted to know more about their opinions, and they all agreed that he was healthy, that he was it was everything about his mental. Uh, he was not sorry in in the, in his he he has a a, a healthy mind. But they they cannot explain what happened to to him, why he has a trauma. But in 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 health aspect, he was very healthy. But for the researchers, we he had plenty of visitation, and there are different opinions because you know, as you know, some researchers have the, their own ideas. Some right. believes that we are dealing with extraterrestrials mm -hmm. and they want to, to fit this story into their hypothesis. Some of them, like Jacques Vallée, has another kind of theory that we are dealing with a phenomenon that comes from another dimension. And just, just you to know, for example, Juan, as, as I said, he never said the word UFO or ship. Right, because in the original reports he said that he saw a strange tractor. Because it was not in his mind, on his consciousness, that word ship. He was not uh, seeing movies. He was not a child that goes to the cinema and see extraterrestrial movies. And uh, what happened was that after plenty of of visitations from these researchers. He started to say the word UFO or ship because they asked, they what was the UFO? Yeah. yeah, they put it. What was the UFO? What was their aliens looks like? So he started to use those words thanks to those researchers. But this is a, a very con controversial case because some 
researchers believe that we are dealing with extraterrestrial. But it, this is what happened with the UFO world or the supernatural world. There are plenty of points of view. Some of them are skeptics. Some of them believe that we are dealing with a universe and and aliens that comes to an earth with their own agenda. And some of them believe that we are dealing with a, a very strange supernatural phenomenon that it's more related with the spiritual realm. Um, yeah, we are in the middle of a big puzzle. Alan, you were talking about Juan's precognitive dreams. Um, mm. Did that did that start in adulthood or did that start immediately after his uh, encounter with whatever it was that he encountered? Yeah, immediately after he started to have dreams, as he quoted, they were dreams that are more real than our reality. He said to me that he, if he go to sleep and lies on his right side, he will enter to a real dream that it's more real than our reality. He mainly saw or 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 sees a accidents, death from people that around him, relatives, neighbors, and he felt guilty his whole life because he thought that those accidents that really happened were thanks to him, thanks of those dreams. And that's the reason why he wanted to stop them from happening. And during the night, he started to move really quickly in order to, to get up and, and stop the, the dream. These dreams continuing for him? Does it still happen? Yeah. It does. It still it is is he's still having those dreams, but now after the this project, he's not afraid anymore because, because now he knows that I have to tell you that his roots comes from Paraguay, from, from the indigenous tribe called Warani. The Warani are one of the most important indigenous culture in South America. And for them, the way to connect to the spiritual world or to the divine is thanks to the dreams. So in a way, what happened to Juan was that he got the gift of clairvoyance, the gift of the dreams of the Guarani, but he didn't know that because he's, he was not in touch with that culture. The only connection with that culture was his grandfather, but he passed away two years before the the contact. So the, the, for more than four decades, Juan thought that he was the only one who was having that kind of dreams or he, he was the only one who had the UFO encounter. He didn't know that there are plenty of peoples throughout the whole history of mankind that had this kind of of events so that was that's why he felt really lonely through the, the, his whole life i know that he early on attended a ufo congress and i'm assuming he told his story there um but then he is it true that he kind of faded away and kept to himself for a lot of years until you started to talk to him yeah i know that that was the only experience that he had he, uh, during his his childhood, because it was the first time that he was speaking to a public audience about his experience, it was not a good experience for him. And then after he faded away and started a, a nomad life, but he also had some other experiences. Where did the uh, where the uh, title come from, Alan? Where'd you come up with that? Oh, it was just a brainstorming. We were trying to to put a, a title to the movie, and I think and I thought that one saw something that comes from another world or another realm. So that's why I came with this with this title, "Witness of Another World." When you um, went into this particular project, first of all, you had you, I think you said you had set out to write a script for what I guess would have been a fiction. A fictional project, um, and then you encounter you stumbled upon this particular encounter, and it changed your direction. Um, how long into that did you just before you decided that you were going to make a documentary film about Juan's experience? And did it change your opinion 
you went into it as a skeptic. You went into it not really having any, uh, I'm assuming, any experience yourself and certainly no uh, conviction either way. Did it change by the end of that? Well, it changed me completely, and it took me four years of of studying the phenomenon. I had to confess to you that I also saw two, in two different episodes of my life something really strange from the sky. The, the last one, it was uh, a ball of fire in the sky. It was one o'clock in the morning. I was in Spain, in Seville, in the same city that I am right now. But those, I think those events were, I was still a skeptic because I, the only thing that I saw were strange lights in the sky. But for me, it was not enough to, to understand that there, there are probably other lives in, in this universe or in this multiverse. And it took me four years to, to make this movie. And I, and I prefer to make a documentary rather than a fiction because the documentary allows me to invest, investigate, to research, and to deal with real people with real cases. You began to tell us a story before we went to break about Juan having additional experiences, one at uh, 40 years old. Tell us what happened. Well, he was in the middle of San Luis. It's a it's a it's a province in Argentina, in the center of Argentina. And he, he started to remember more about that case when we did another regression to Juan one year after the movie was done because Juan wanted to know more about what happened during that, that night. And while he suddenly he was walking with his animals, he, he went to hunting to hunt and he got lost and that detail is it's quite interesting because Juan is a, a very well known person about the the countryside about he he never get lost so he got lost and he was in the middle of nowhere and he started to say for example he was looking at the star and he said wow this star is funny is in the left and it it should be on the right side and this tree is on the right side he, it should be on the left side it was like the the upside down it was everything was in the other side that it used, it should be and two two of his dogs were fighting with a with a pig a wild pig and one of them got injured then Juan got a knife from his pocket and started to fight with this uh, wild pig and he killed that wild pig and he started to heal his dog and suddenly while Juan was crying about his dog a strange light was coming towards him and this light transformed into a very 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 big ship the size was like a stadium he he said to me and that light sorry, not that light, that ship started to speak to Juan and said to Juan, like, why are you here? And he said, Juan, I'm lost. And that ship uh, said, uh, follow me. And thanks to that ship, Juan was walking uh, in the in the backside of this ship, and that ship helped Juan to return to his house. Wow. Do you suspect there are other encounters that may ha- be recessed in Juan's memory that uh, further um, sessions like this will bring out? Yeah, totally. But uh, I am waiting for the for the moment to make those, those regressions or to help Juan. He knows that uh, four years before something happened to him also while he was going back to his house. He was riding a bicycle, and when he entered, he was about to enter his house. His his body was, like, frozen. He couldn't move anymore, and he saw that in his right side of the, of outside of his house, there was a UFO landed on the, on the ground, and there were three beings, three tall beings that were arguing 
he he couldn't understood why what they were saying, but he thought that they were discussing about the idea of took him to took Juan. But that is a very strange case yeah. because for he he was he he couldn't move for more than thirty minutes. But according to the Dr. Nestor Berlanda, the psychiatrist, that kind of experiences are telling us that uh, some his his memory is not allowing him to to remember the whole experience because it's not possible to be blocked for more than thirty minutes, and the only thing that you can see is free beings arguing, and that's it. Have you? an opinion of, or does Juan have an opinion of why he has been chosen, why he has had these experiences and seems to continue to have them? No, not at all. And that's the only question that he asked himself for a long period of time. Why to me? Why is this happening to me? And he's he's not able to answer that. But the, the happy story is that this movie has a happy ending because after the the experience that we had together, he's now able to understood uh, what happened to him and that he's not the only one because the, the, the shamans explained to Juan that this is a common thing among them because for 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 the indigenous culture they don't separate the supernatural world to the ordinary world. It's a it's a common thing. It's only one thing that it's related one thing to the uh, to the other. So I, I think Juan now it's very very confident. He got reunited with his mother, with his father. Now he's taking care of them and recovering some lost time because he he felt that he he lost he lost them for a long period of time and now he's getting back to together and also his mother confessed to Juan that she also had an encounter when she was a child and it was very a very healing moment for for both of them did did his parents um in some way uh disown him because of this experience or did Juan himself feel shut out and therefore withdrew from them well, he shut down. Yeah. yeah, they were no. His fathers, his parents were not able to help him in in any way. Since this whole process began four years ago, and you've you know had a lot of time to work with one, and have had other professionals do that as well. Has it has he gotten to the point where he's um, more able and in an easier sense um, willing to talk about this experience? Yeah, totally, totally. And plenty of people, thanks to the movie, are going to, to visit Juan, to spend time with him, drinking mate together. Mate is like a tea, that it's a, a, like a ritual for us, for South Americans. And they drink mate, they spend a lot of times with Juan, asking questions. And Juan now is very happy because he felt that he has plenty of friends, of new friends. And he's really he's really warm and he likes to be with people. So he's really happy, but he likes to remain on the countryside, on the field, working on the farm with his animal. That's his passion. I assume he was never married. No, never. Yeah. Uh, so it really, it really did affect him. Um, as you, uh, as the film gets in wider circulation, more people see this. Do you have people coming forward uh, that don't want to share their experiences with you because of this work you've done? Yes, totally. I'm, I'm receiving plenty of emails or messages, personal messages. Um, people wanted to just to, to tell their story in order to, to feel more relief. And I thanks to those person and I, and I'm hoping this movie can help other Juan Perez that are living in isolated way in order to to integrate their experience. That's the message of the movie. The go the main goal was not just to heal Juan or his family. It's a it's a it's a movie that wants to to help others to understand better their the supernatural world. You um 
obviously want people to watch the film and you want people to understand what happened to Juan, but what's the, the, the most important message you hope people walk away with after viewing the film? Well, the movie is not about giving answers to the UFO phenomenon. That's why some people are getting a little bit frustrated because we are receiving the same messages. We are receiving plenty of positive reviews. We have excellent reviews from the press, from the critics, but we are receiving some messages from people that wanted to know more about what happened to Juan in, a, in, the, in that encounter. And they felt that the movie is in depth with, with them. But what I said to those people is that the main focus of this movie was not giving another UFO documentary, giving explanations about what is the UFO, if the government are making some, like they are hitting uh, documents about the reality of the UFO. It's a movie about, it's a life story. And the, is the, it was the perfect excuse for me to portray the supernatural realm. Could be a UFO, could be a fairy, could be a ghost. I don't care. I felt the need to portray the supernatural realm, the, the realm that shamans from all over the world talk to us in plenty of books, in plenty of experiences. And I felt that the case of Juan was perfect to dive into that 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 world and also he, the one of the idea was to try to get answers to Juan to help him to integrate what he saw what those dreams that he was having and i we, we finally succeeded because Juan at the end of the movie he's he's he had a a, a very bright look his his eyes are very clean he he started to to smile also and he recovered he he his smile and i i wanted to to other juan spirits that are around the world and can heal with that movie too and i'm receiving plenty of messages from from those people and i feel i'm very thankful for for those messages what's next on your plate uh, alan what's the next project my next project is a movie that it was supposed to be the first one, but it's a movie that I'm involved for more than 10 years. It's about a quest of a lost civilization that was settled in, in our world, especially in, in South America, in the Andes and in the Himalayas. It's a movie about finding the evidence of that lost civilization that was settled more than 20,000 years ago. It's a, a civilization that had lots of technology and a higher understanding of the spirituality. And I, as my understanding of, of seeing this civilization were the ones who made a Sacsayhuaman, Machu Picchu, Tiahuanacu, and probably, probably, I don't know, the Egyptian pyramids. Once again, let people know where they can see your current film, Witness of Another World. And if, if you want to let them know where they can see the film that preceded that as well, that'd be fine. The movie could be seen in iTunes, Google, Amazon, and you can subscribe also to get more details about our movie and get extra features, deleted scenes, scenes for example, from Jack Ballet, on our website, witnessofanotherworld.com. Thanks so much for being here tonight, Alan. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize he was in Spain, Orion. Yeah, I wasn't sure either, to tell you the you truth. Say, he said he was in Seville? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know we had to uh, had to Skype him in, so I knew it was somewhere exotic. Right. But I, I assumed it was South America. Argentina, but yeah, no. Right. no yeah, right. Interesting. Hey, by the way, have you, have you watched, I don't think we've talked about this yet, have you watched the HBO uh, miniseries Chernobyl? I haven't. Man, I tell you what, I watched it uh, last week, and I just rewatched it. It's five episodes. Hmm. Um, it's powerful. It, it really struck me in a way that I didn't think it would. It's a it's a docudrama, um, but it's done really well. And this and the story of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster is far more complex than I had ever realized. Oh yeah, 
Uh, I did not realize how serious it was. I mean, I knew it was a major nuclear disaster, but I didn't realize how had things gone just slightly in a different direction, it could have made the whole um, European continent uninhabitable. Oh, wow. It was that bad. Uh, anyway, I, I recommend it very highly. It's it's on demand still with uh, HBO if you've got that. And it's only five episodes. Each one's about an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I just watched it f- through for a second time because it was so good. Cool. Yeah, of course, that happened in 1986. Same year as the Challenger, right? The Challenger oh, was disaster? It? Yeah, I sort of remember all this. I was, I was yeah. what, nine or ten at the time, so it's all vague. But Yeah, yeah, hmm. weird stuff. And then actually Gorbachev uh, credited that disaster as being one of the major movers in uh, the destruction of the Soviet Union. Huh. It opened up a, basically a floodgate. Anyway, we're not, we should get somebody on to talk about this, actually, because it's a pretty interesting topic. Tomorrow night, we're talking with Kayla Ambrose. What are the Egyptian mystery school teachings? Do you know? Uh, well, it's esoteric. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ancient, mm-hmm. uh, and it will um, change your life for the better. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. I need some betterment in my life, mm-hmm. so that'll work real well. Uh, but that's tomorrow night's discussion, and then uh, Friday is a best of. Monday, Amelia Cotter will be with us. Amelia is an author and a storyteller, and she will share true ta- tales of ghosts, the supernatural, and her own paranormal experiences. A lot of great stuff coming up right here on Beyond Reality Radio. We'll catch you next time. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.Taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.